Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hey, Changemakers, it's Holly Rustic here. I'm really excited about this entire month because this entire month we're going to be talking about 501c3s. So how you get one started, what is all needed, and just having conversations about different kinds of taxation behind the 501c3s. Now, a lot of people want to become a 501c3 because they love that little addition, tax deductions, right? When you're going after corporate sponsors, when you're having fundraisers, all of those types of things, having a tax-exempt status is very important, and it also creates credibility. We will be talking throughout March about 501c3s. Um, to start this conversation out today, um, I'm interviewing a great friend of mine and a wonderful lawyer, Vanessa Williams. She is fantastic. She gives a great interview and she gets loads of information on different kind of co- concepts and challenges that some people might have when developing a 501c3 and also what they need to do to be the most prepared. If you would like to get more information, we'll also be creating checklists and information downloadables and all of that fun stuff about how to form a 501c3 in our grant writing and funding changemaker membership. Yes, you heard it, betas. You will be getting an email from me very soon because we have the changemaker membership launched. So if you'd like to be in at that $27 per month, please let me know, holly at grantwritingandfunding.com. All right, otherwise, check it out on grantwritingandfunding.com. So I hope you enjoyed this interview, and I hope that you enjoyed this entire month on different 501c3 items. If you would like to hear about anything specifically in the nonprofit and grant writing world, please send me an email as well, and we will try to cover it on this podcast. All right, guys, thanks for listening so much, and I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Hey, everyone, it's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and I am here today with Vanessa Williams. All right, not the singer, but Hi. a very important person. <laughs> and we're going to be talking today. I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her, but first off, I just want to say thank you so much for listening and for joining. If you're listening to this on the podcast, please also check out our YouTube channel at Grant Writing and Funding, and you will find the, uh, the video as well. So you can see her beautiful face. <laughs> we can go ahead and talk about uh, 501c3. So we're really going to get into it today. But before I go on, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her. So Vanessa is a lawyer with an economics and business background and particular experience representing governmental and quasi-governmental entities. And that's why we're talking to her today. Does a lot of nonprofit work. Um, drawing on this regulatory experience, she also advises businesses in all aspects from startup to sale. Vanessa often acts as outside counsel to companies in litigation and administrative proceedings. She is able to navigate her way around any legal issue with superior research skills and attention to detail, and then communicate that clearly to her clients so they have the information and assurance they need when making critical decisions. So Vanessa is licensed to practice law in Guam, California, and the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And she has also served what really makes her special is she's just not behind the scenes academic on this. She is in, she's in it. <laughs> she, she's in it. So she served on the boards of ANZ Guam, um, that is a bank, 
Australia Bake, right? Australia New Zealand Bake? It's like ANZ Guam. So it's the, okay. it's owned by a uh, Australia New Zealand Bake, the group, but it is the local bank. So it's okay. a locally chartered bank. Perfect. Okay. And she's also uh, the Agania Restoration and Redevelopment Authority, the board there, the Guam Women's Chamber of Commerce, where she's also served as president, um, the Rotary Club of Tumon Bay, and Guam Animals in Need. So she is in the mix, totally in the mix. <laughs> I love yeah. it. And I, we've worked a lot together with mm-hmm. nonprofits and on nonprofits. So I just, um, here you go. Here's her bio. <laughs> I got her bio. So, anyways, yeah, we, I, you know, we've been talking, and a lot of times I'll ask Vanessa for just some kind of feedback, so I know what to tell my clients as well from a lawyer's perspective. And I have so many of you guys that are reaching out and wanting information on how to start a 501c3, right? And a lot of times I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and bring on an expert in the legal field that has nonprofits coming to her all the time to help develop the forms and submit the paperwork, right? Right. So yeah, so can you just kind of, I know I have your bio, but can you kind of just like tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, well, I think that I kind of stumbled into the nonprofit world. Um, I was actually, my my specialty is business law, so it really is more like for-profit and, and, and corporate and commercial law, but once I um, moved here to Guam, where I'm from, and getting involved um, with all the civic organizations is when I would people would say hey you're a lawyer right (laughs) like maybe you can help us and um and a lot the first step well just that was kind of how I got started and and they would just have an idea and it'd be an idea of okay what this is something we want to do I mean most of them people would say and I meet in like in the nonprofit community but then they want they had they saw a need that they felt needed to be filled or served and um, just like, how do I do it? And I'm like, well, okay, so let, let me take a look at it. And then I realized at the outset, it's like all of my other business clients starting. Um, it is a business, right? Right. It's, it's, a it's, a, it's, a, it's an organization. It's a corporation that you have to form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that respect, it's very similar. And I was like, oh, I know that. And then the stuff that I, you know, um, got to know or, or examine and then experience as I did this at a lot was is the IRS side and the form side and getting it's the tax exempt status. So the whole point right. why you want to be a non well being being a nonprofit, um, and so that's the stuff that I kind of had the on the job learning <laughs> right. learning for, okay. um, and so I guess I've been doing that for about five or six years, maybe six years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, and then it's become this this whole other supplement to my practice where I, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been having, how about how many people do you have per year that come to you or has it increased throughout the last? Um, it's definitely increased. So like I said, it was just, it was basically friends, you know, yeah. acquaintances or, or colleagues in some, in some respect. And, um, and they were coming to me then the big one was the women's chamber. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were like, okay, we can do this. And I'm like, wait, I know how to do this. I just help some other people and then, and, and then did that. But, um, I'd say I get at least one a month. Wow. I mean, it's not, it's not a whole lot, right? I, I'm, but still, I mean, Guam is small, but yeah. I get at least one nonprofit inquiry a month. Um, not all of them are just the startups, right. you know, the for- nonprofit formation, but, but most of them are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And as you kind of develop this, have you 
just kind of developed operational manuals or systems that you can easily kind of work through the process of helping people get started up. Yeah, I mean, I have my, my questions where I'm surveying them. It's like, okay, do you know what you want to do? What mm-hmm. your purpose is? Can you define that clearly? Right. Um, and and uh, who are the people that are going to be your organizers? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar questions of when you form any other business. Okay, mm-hmm. what is your purpose? Except we got to make sure that yours is going to be recognized as a legitimate right. tax-exempt purpose by the IRS mm-hmm. and the local taxing authority, the um, DRT, Department of Revenue and Taxation. If I was coming to you and mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to start a nonprofit, mm-hmm. right? What would be the first thing that you would say to me? Okay, what, what's your nonprofit for? Okay. Yeah, so, so as we want to cl- yeah. you know, clear, because people would say, I want to start a nonprofit. And I've actually gotten this a lot where they say, I want to, they think that they can form any company or any business mm-hmm. and that they can somehow apply for nonprofit status. Uh, but you have to qualify to be nonprofit. I mean, the nonprofit status under 501c3 or, mm-hmm. or 501c4 or 5 or 6 or any mm-hmm. of those, um, I think, I mean, there's over Tax a dozen exemption. classifications for nonprofits. Those are defined in the law and the Internal Revenue Code um, statute. Um, for, by the IRS, right? And right. so, unless you fall into one of those categories already, you can't be a nonprofit. Now, 501c3 is very general. It's like religious, charitable mm-hmm. um, purposes, but you have to, I mean, you can't, there's restrictions. You can't right. do any lobbying activity or political activity. Mm-hmm. Some of the other 501c's you might, but not 501c3, which is common. But anyway, the point being is, I guess them the question of, okay, what is it that you want to do? Make sure they actually have assuming it's a 501-33 charitable or religious purpose to the organization to see if they'll even qualify. Because if they're not going to, if it, if they're not going to qualify off the bat, then we're not going to waste our time diving into the details of their application. Uh, Yeah. And that's a really good point because I do have a lot of people that come to me as well. And um, they'll say, Hey, I need to start up my business. I'm looking for grants, so I want to start a 501c3 yeah. so I can fund whatever I'm doing. Right. And I'm like, that's not really how it works, you yeah. know, necessarily. Like, maybe, but let's go a little deeper into that, you know, with them because otherwise, if you're just doing it so you can have a revenue-generating income for yourself, that's usually not a 501c3. Right. right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't be the charity. <laughs> Right, exactly. And a lot of people, that's what they think. Yeah. And yes, there are grants, some individual grants available out there for fellowships and that sort of thing. Right. But as a 501c3, that's it's really more of a community work. Like, right. are you going to, even if you have some kind of program income coming in, like through grants or fundraisers or products or whatever, it's will you take that and give it back into your organization and into the community? Right, right? So exactly. I, that's interesting that you brought that up because I, I also get a lot of those kinds of okay. questions. So that's good. We're clarifying this. So you guys, if you want to start up with 501c3, you really want to make sure that you're doing it as a benefit for the community and it's not to like start your own entrepreneurship or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And um, so what are some other things that you really see like, um, is it just stumbling over the paperwork or did people just kind of want that stamp of approval from a lawyer's eyes looking over their work or do you get both? Um. I get both. Uh, I, I mean, I've, there's a you can get anything off the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And and 
And truthfully, the articles and the bylaws of your organization, you look at them, sometimes it's a few pieces of paper. It's not very, it doesn't seem very difficult or very hard, but there are key phrases that they're looking for um, with the IRS or revenue tax when they're examining your articles and your bylaws to make sure you are consistent with the um, with uh, an, a tax-exempt organization, and so you've got to be careful. Like, yeah. and and that's something I don't think you would um, anyone would see. You w- you wouldn't just Google articles or bylaws, and then they'll tell you that, or you'll know that. It's something right. you know from looking at the, the statute and looking at the regulations, and um, and then also just experience, especially locally. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Um, things that you just learned because you've done it so many times, or we've done it so many times. Right. Um, but I do get some people who are just like, oh, can you just look at this and do this? And um, and that's never really worked out. Oh, really? <laughs> because they start, they think that, well, we're doing it, um, we're doing it on the cheap. You know, we, yeah. we, oh, well, we don't have any money. We're a nonprofit, right? We yeah. don't have any money. And yeah. um, and so can you just like, t- you know, take a look? But then then it's, then they set, they file it and they think, oh, we're formed. You know, they, so yeah. you. Uh, file your articles and your bylaws with the appropriate licensing authority. In in Guam's case, it's revenue and taxation. And in any other state, it's like their uh, business divisions, whatever they call them, um, or commerce authorities. And then they think, okay, I'm formed. And so technically, yeah, you formed a corporation, but it's not a nonprofit yet because it hasn't been granted tax-exempt status by the IRS Mm -hmm. or, in Guam's case, the Department of Revenue and Taxation. A lot of people don't realize that, and then they end up doing things piecemeal. And then they're like, and so those people who are kind of don't want to pull the trigger and form the attorney-client relationship or, you know, hire hire us, they say, come back and they're like, oh, well, now we did this form, and can can you look at this? And I'm like, yeah, it'd be a lot simpler if you just let me do it yeah. right, from, from the get. So I guess the mistake is, assuming you got, I mean, just doing it that way, piecemeal, mm-hmm. um, it, it ends up taking more time and probably uh, more time and 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 money that way. Yeah. Um, as opposed to getting all your decks in a row. So right. now, I mean, what I do with my clients is I have a I, we have our own checklist and I have basically a questionnaire. It's like give me all this information, then we'll look for it, and then we'll go through the checklist, and then these are all the things that you're going to have to do or provide right. to me. Um, so that it's a smooth process and that we don't get denied. Right, right, because that's important. Right. Yeah, and and can you just name off some of those items that they need to have in that checklist? Right, so you're going to need all of the organizers. So even though they're not technically shareholders, um, which you would have with a normal corporation, they would just be your organizers. Um, And those are the people who are responsible for getting it off the ground. Mm -hmm. And so you need their personal information. they, the just regular name, address, all of that. Um, but on the application, the te- for a five hundred one c three, it's a ten twenty three form for both the IRS and locally because we use that as well. Um, you're going to need your financial information for your organization. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of times when you're starting up, this is actually really easy because you have you no have financial to, information. Right? That's <laughs> so it's actually great applying then. Uh-huh. Um, this is also something I've learned because you don't necessarily. Uh, if you wait, which mm-hmm. some do, um, then you're going to have to actually re- report your actual financials for the last five years. and They won't be tax exempt, right? Huh? They will not be tax exempt, or can they be? Going back five yeah. years? You know, I'm not sure. This is where I, like, kick, punt it over to a, a CPA or yeah. a tax yeah. person. Um, but uh, 
I mean, I don't know retroactively how that works because I, honestly, I don't even know how they were operating <laughs> without without filing yeah, first. Right. Um, but uh, the kind of the well, anyway, I want to get back to that point because yeah, it's kind yeah, of important. Yeah. But you need your financial information. What I've seen a lot is if you if you come late in the game and they're filing applying with the IRS and they've been operating for um, five years already, uh, what's kind of surprising, not surprising, is that they don't even know it. And it's because I think the same reason with nonprofits, especially small, uh, uh, when it's an individual or just a small group and they're starting off, they don't have really clean books. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and they don't, they don't know all that stuff. And so you're, you're doing twice the work. You're going back and you're cleaning everything up to make sure you're reporting accurately um, and getting that information together. When you start off, you're just projecting. Right. And you're supposed to so just give easy. a projection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. This, okay, I'm going to do, like, these three programs, and we anticipate raising this much money, and we anticipate spending this much money, and that's mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, so it's a lot simpler that way. Right. Um, that it would be the main thing. Our other things are conflict of interest policies that we do by, like, board resolution that we attach um, to the application. But I think that the critical thing is kind of the finances. But the reason, okay, so going back to how does that even possible, right? Because yeah. you have you been operating without paying taxes? What's been going right, on? Right. So I think this might be, I'm licensed in California, but I've only done a little bit of work in California. I've, all of my, my, my practice, my entire career has been here on Guam. And here on Guam, the... Oh, the people can hire you online. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and the the work that I've done there has been really more one off transactional stuff. Um, but all the nonprofits I've worked with have been here on Guam, mm-hmm. and in Guam, we the tax relationship is kind of complicated because the we follow the IRS's tax code. In other states, you know, you have your own local tax code, and then you have your state tax code. You might even have a county tax taxes and municipality taxes and then you have the federal tax here we just have the irs code right but we use that for it's called a mirror tax code so on guam when uh, uh, it was organized the government was organized and we needed some taxing authority congress said you know what you guys can um you you have the i the IRC, the Internal Revenue Code, will be your tax code. And wherever you see United States of America or the federal government, just substitute government of Guam. And your local taxing authority will substitute itself instead of and in place of the IRS. Mm-hmm. And this isn't for everything. Like, I, mm-hmm. we, still, we still pay some fe- certain federal taxes, like self, I pay self-employment taxes right. for, and um, into Social Security and Medicare. In terms of le- uh, regulations, mm-hmm. And, and granting taxes of status, we do that locally. Mm-hmm. So we can do that locally and never actually do it with the IRS. As opposed to in the States, you apply with the IRS for your taxes of status and then you register with your state. Mm-hmm. We kind of do it backwards. Right. So I think that's how it's been, it's been happening that so many of the nonprofits that I've worked with have actually gotten their tax exempt status locally. Mm-hmm. You know, you apply with the revenue tax because they're really the only enforcer. You don't have right. to worry about that. And then they realize um, that's the big thing. When they realize they want to apply for a federal grant and they they're not the, eligible they the because yeah. they're not feder- federally recognized. Right. And so I think that's what's been happening and why I've encountered the organizations applying later. 
and having their five um, have to look back at their finances five years back as opposed to doing projection. That was kind of my whole point is just how does that even happen? Well, I think that's how it happens. I also see it happen on a very small scale. And this was something that was interesting to me. Someone said, no, you can retroact um, because, okay, in order to pay for your filing, right, mm-hmm. for your 501c3, the federal government is around $800. Right. Locally, it, you know, it's, it's about 400 on Guam, but mm-hmm. it changes wherever you live. And so people will do fundraisers. There are nonprofits right. that have formed will do fundraisers to get the money to pay for the filing right. fees. So they have a little bit of income, and right. they're saying, well, how can we make this tax exempt? And um, one person had t- I had spoken to, they said, oh, you can retroact that part of it. Oh. But I'm not really sure, so you, you're not sure either. No, I don't know. But question that, I, mean, right? I can, yeah. so as a lawyer, I can go and I can figure it out. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know everything off the top of my head. I research <laughs> and, you know, I just go, yeah. I, I it usually, I think uh, it's a license to know where to look. <laughs> right, yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting to figure that out. But, yeah. you know, usually it's not too much money, so I don't think, you know, it's, right. if you want to raise that much money, it's, it's okay people will still give it to you even if they're not getting tax exempt whatever yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean so but yeah so that's really interesting so you're looking at bylaws articles their projected budget or their previous budget that they had right? yeah and then you're also looking at their bios for their um, board members right and just what are you doing your mission and your vision and all mm-hmm. of that fun stuff right so mm-hmm. they have that kind of lined up that they can come to you or to any lawyer, right? And they can really kind of advance through that. Now, do they need to come to a lawyer? Is this something? No, they don't have to. I mean, you, and it's not required. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I I think that other people can prepare. Well, anyone can prepare. Anyone can draft their own articles and their own bylaws. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just a chance that it's going to be kicked back or you're going to have problems with it just because it's not their expertise, right? Absolutely. And that can be said for anything. (laughs) Yeah. and anyone can file the forms with the IRS and Revenue Tax. And even, actually, Revenue Tax being the local Department of Revenue and Taxation, they'll give you, they, they have their own checklist. And mm-hmm. they'll say, okay, these are all the forms we need. Right. Um, and anyone can do that. Um, and you can actually, uh, completing those forms, I know accountants do that. So I guess it's not prohibited. Like, it's not the practice of a law per se. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even have to be a lawyer if, you know, someone's helping you with that. It just makes it easier. Right. Just, as long as they have the experience with nonprofit, right. I think, for filing, right? Yeah. And then, of course, the big thing, 1023. Mm-hmm. Now, you have the long form and you have the two-page short, short form. The easy right? form. The easy, yeah. Yeah. So, as long as you're projecting not to get more than 50K in one year, I mm-hmm. believe, right, you can do the easy. Yeah. And a lot of people starting up, I'm like... Just do that one. <laughs> right. Like, what yeah. do you recommend? Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. If you can, do it. Not everyone can. Like, right. um, a five, it's a five, only for 501c3s, right? So if you're, like, a, a business league or a chamber of commerce, you can't use that form. Um, right. Also, if you're a religious organization, you mm-hmm. cannot use that form. So churches, okay, like, they can't avail of the 1023EZ because those are the, probably the most heavily scrutinized. Right. But yeah, if you can, if your vision and um, your purpose of your charitable organization qualifies to use that form, use that form. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Great. And I love that. And, and you're talking about, Vanessa's talking about the 501c6, I believe, or other kinds of 501c's. Right? right. So if you have a membership, if you're like big on a membership, right, right. or some kind of like like a chamber, mm-hmm. then, yeah, they would not necessarily fall underneath the 501c3. So that is important, right. too, when you're kind of looking at what do you want to form. Yeah, that's um, another, uh, I guess, common misconception that I get in people, um, because I've had other potential business leagues and civic organizations right. and um, our community organizations, and they want to 
not only support their members, but some they want to engage in political activity. They right. want to maybe form like a, a political action committee or endorse candidates. And you can't do that with a 501c3, but you can do that under other 501c's. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so the people say, I want to form a 501c3. I'm like, do you want, okay, what do you want to do? Okay, so you want to be a nonprofit and yeah. you want to form this, but it's not necessarily a 501c3. Right. And, it's not interchangeable. Yeah. And yeah. so that's something, I guess, in theory, you could cut and encounters doing it yourself you know they if you don't know how to look at these regs or interpret them and these statutes and then you file a 1023 ez form and you're trying to form a church that's gonna support a political candidate you're totally screwed (laughs) (laughs) you should have hired a lawyer (laughs) should have paid a professional but um and i mean we're kind of laughing but you know people there is a lot of like oh i could just why don't i just do that Um, right right well i mean it's it's just not knowing it is a whole new world and that's what we're doing today so you guys get a glimpse on how to do like if you're really thinking what do i need to form how do i need to move forward just like easy steps and what to kind of know before you go forward right so i think that's important to get someone that has the expertise and even people come to me um and they can consult with me too to get some of this information um, and of course, I always like to have a lawyer, you know, kind of look it over, you know, yeah. or just talk to my lawyer friends. But um, the other thing, too, is kind of banking on that. You are an expert. I imagine, you know, these nonprofit startups, they don't have a lot of cash, maybe, right, mm-hmm. in the beginning. And they're asking you, and I know you kind of mentioned they're friends. But, um, and I think the common misconception is that lawyers should just do this pro bono mm-hmm. for nonprofits. And I kind of want to break that stereotype because mm-hmm. I believe that you're providing them your time, your expertise, and that is worth something, right? But at the same time, is it a super huge amount and how can they kind of budget for that? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it is. I, I, I get that too. And I actually did so much pro bono work because I... I felt the same way. I'm like, well, they're a nonprofit or they have this charitable purpose. So I really, they believe in this. That sounds good to me. I want to help them out. And what I found um, along the way, I I knew it would take time and time is money. You know, I trade, you know, hours for dollars, my billable time. But I didn't, I came to, well, I came to appreciate it actually takes a lot more time and effort than most of my business clients. Wow. um, Because my business clients, I mean, as a if you're trying to get recognized as a tax exempt organization, you're going to have a lot more I's to dot and T's to cross, and you're going to be more heavily scrutinized by the government, which means more forms, more information, um, more verifications, and that's something that I don't necessarily have to do with the business clients. So you starting a business is very easy, of course. You know, running a successful business is a whole another story, but that's not my job. You know, my job is just to help get them started, you know, or formation um, in terms of the startups. So for a business, I can apply for, incorporate them or form an LLC or a partnership, whatever kind of entity they want. And it's basically, you know, whatever you guys want to do, you can do. And here's, yeah, we'll go apply for it. We'll get you your business license and, you know, you're on your way, kick you out the door and, you know, don't forget to talk to your tax person. (laughs) And that's it. But, um, and usually with the business clients, they're a little more prepared. They have a business plan, you know, they've been um, they're thinking about getting financing. They, they, they're anticipating that scrutiny. So it's a little bit easier. They have a lot of the information ready to go. And I feel like with the, a lot of the nonprofits I've worked with, they don't have a business plan. Right. You know, they they just, have passion. Yeah, right. Yeah. They do. And, and they have passion yeah. and lots of passion, which is yeah. obviously so crucial. Yeah. But, um, that whole, 
business sense, you know, the really rigid uh, planning right. sense is, is not there. So I kind of had to tease it out. Mm. And so that ends up taking a lot of time going back and forth and right. following up. And I maybe it's the whole aspect, too, like with the business. They know, okay, well, as soon as I start my business, I'm going to be making all this money, right? Yeah. And with the nonprofits, maybe the incentive is not there. So usually I'm dealing with a few people. You know, it's a group of organizers and and um, sometimes it's hard to get accountability. That's one thing. Get the information from everybody. Um, and when they realize, they oh, like I think some people are like, oh, can you just form me a nonprofit? Right. <laughs> you know, kind of, like, if, I need since I'm paying yeah. you all this money, shouldn't yeah. you know you just come back to me with this nice like, here's your nonprofit? Yeah. But I don't know the facts, so I have right. to get the information from them. And right. there, since there's so much more information, it ends up being a lot more work. So I actually realized like. Not only should I be charging for this, or do I have to charge for this because I can't afford to do this pro bono anymore? Right. I actually it, it costs more than just re- I, a regular organiz- um, business filing. Right, absolutely. So, That's so very simple compared to the five hundred and three process. Right, so it is. A, I mean, it's it's literally a lot more work there, and there's a lot more paper to show for it too. Yeah. It's like this is all those things we have to do for you. Right, but that that's such an interesting perspective too. I didn't never thought about that because. Yeah, business person, they're they're taking a bigger risk possibly, like yeah. quitting their job and starting their business, so they put a lot more thought and just things more skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. And nonprofits, a lot of times, it's you know they're not expecting it to be their full time jobs, right? Yeah, or it's a side project. It's you know it's something that is a good idea, mm-hmm. right? And then they want to they want to form it, so they just go and then I can see how that would take a lot of time going through the process with them, right? Yeah. So it's almost like you're you're giving them a, like business school in a way for a little bit, you know, to kind of get that information and get a plan. Right, right. You know, so, um, so yeah, that's really interesting. So nonprofits, now they come to you, what is one of the most common misconceptions that you face or one of the biggest challenges that you have? I, I mean, I think the biggest one, we kind of touched on it already, is thinking that anything can be a nonprofit. Okay. It's just a matter of filling in, you know, applying for that status. Mm-hmm. And not anything can be a nonprofit. It's actually very, you know, restricted what can be a nonprofit. Um, I think the other thing is not realizing that it is a it's a tax recognition status. Not necessarily you you don't just form. Um, there's a business side where you form like a partnership or an LLC or a corporation, and you say, okay, check the box. I want to be a nonprofit corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't understand that you're actually applying to a taxing authority for that. So you don't form, you don't, you're forming a corporation. It's right. just a corporation, um, and then you're applying to the taxing authority to be recognized as a not-for-profit corporation. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you'll see the similarities in starting in startup, mm-hmm. you know, come. Um, and people just don't realize that they don't realize that that's mm-hmm. the big component, and that's who mm-hmm. who's going to be scrutinizing you. Okay, so once they're formed, they get it. You know their their letter from the IRS that mm-hmm. you always need to attach with your grants, and so keep that. Um, <laughs> they, right, but then what? Do, do they have to come every year? They have to file something like because um, this is a taxation kind of you know thing. So locally, uh, you have to publish your your your. Uh, I think it's your P&L in the paper mm-hmm. um, to just kind of put on to public notice. This is what's happening and uh, file annually a report with the with the government, but you don't actually have to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. So you're just showing them the in- So even if you had a lot of income coming in, you don't have yep. to be. You have to show them where it went. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. saying, well, this is where it went. Um, at a certain point, you're going to be audited. Mm-hmm. Um, a... a 
I mean, either whether it's by the taxing authority or whether you have your own, you know, independent audit if you're making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just okay. publish publishing your financial statements in the paper. Okay. Yeah. And for those of you too, if you're making any more than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars per year in federal funds, you do have to have an audit, so an external yeah. audit. So that's important to know. Um, but yeah, that's so they have to file every year. They have to stay on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what about? Okay, so that's good. So they're kind of like, now they're in the groove, right? Mm-hmm. But what about if you have a business? So this might be some, and I have a lot of people also ask me this. Okay, they have a business, it's, okay. it's successful, but they want to do something with the business that would be more of a nonprofit arm, mm-hmm. right? So would you recommend that they, I mean, they have to start up an entirely new business, right. or can it be, you know, how does that work? Because I have a lot of people come to me. Yeah, and you know, a lot of big businesses do that. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, large corporations, right, right, right. and um, they start a foundation, and mm-hmm. then that, then they donate a lot to that foundation, and that becomes a charitable contribution, and then they're able to use that money to for charitable purposes, you mm-hmm. know, and then it's completely ta- uh, tax protected mm-hmm. um, or ta- sheltered. Um, so yeah, you would have to start another entity. You know, you you can't commingle them, um, but the you're basically going to be, you get the benefit of it. You know, you know you're, where the money's going to come from, um, and that money's going to be, you get to deduct that. So if it's from your business and it's a, and it's to a 501c3, you can, that, um, that's a tax deduction for, so you're not paying it from yourself, like the right. business owner. And then once it's with the nonprofit, then they don't have to pay taxes on it. Okay. So yeah. that's great. So if you have a large corporation or a larger business, or you just want to be able to do something more, right? Yeah. From the nonprofit point of view, you can open a nonprofit. And then you can give monies to your nonprofit yeah. to help with it. I mean, even if you have right? a small business, you exactly. could do that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's usually super rich people. That <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the next yeah. question actually. That's a good segue. Is do you have to give a certain amount? Because I gave a certain amount last year in charitable right, mm-hmm. purposes, and they said, well, it needs to be at like eighteen thousand or something ridiculous. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? To really oh. get the full purpose of tax exempt or tax. Oh, you mean so your so your individual contributions, yeah. right? Yeah, I think that comes actually down to um, whether you're itemizing or mm-hmm. you are taking the standard deduction. So okay. those just went up. I think the so there's no longer, and I'm not a tax professional. Right. I, you uh-huh. know, I'm a lawyer, mm-hmm. and I always refer my people <laughs> to the tax people. So there's my disclaimer, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to <laughs> because unless your 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 charitable contributions and that sounds about right, yeah. you know, for your tax yeah. status with a per- personal exemption or a personal um, deduction with a one dependent, that's mm-hmm. maybe you, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, well, and I'm so, doing it for my business, huh? For my business, uh-huh. to say if I give this much from my business to this nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Nonprofits. Um, then what is the, you know, any kind of tax, do I get any tax deduction? Oh, okay. You yeah. know, so I'm... That might be a CPA question. It might be a CPA question because I actually am not aware of any restrictions on a okay. business. If they make a, a contribution to a charitable organization, then they can deduct that. They should get um, all of that right, uh, yeah. deduction. Alternatively, there's other ways. They could be marketing expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of companies do that. Um, and that's and the other thing might be again be wary because on the on the side for donating again the difference between 501c3 and some of the other 501c's mm-hmm. um, like for example to the 501c6 the, mm-hmm. these uh, business leagues those are not um, 
they're tax exempt organizations, but for people donating to them, they don't get that's not a charitable contribution. Oh. Um, that they don't get to deduct that as a donation. It's only if it's to a five hundred one c three. So a five hundred one c six, we have that. To, we make that disclaimer. Okay. It's like okay, and I have to tell my clients, you know, go ahead and tell them because sometimes you'll see on the forms like this is a tax you know tax deductible contribution. Yeah. That's not true if you're not a five hundred one c three. If you're a five hundred one c four, so I've seen right. five. Or 501c6, it's not. But they can claim it as a marketing expense. You know, uh-huh. that's what they're putting their... Yeah, the, so if you are use, one of those, not a 501c3, but the other one, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the Guam Women's Chamber of Commerce, right. 501c6, yeah. 501c6. And, but, you know, going out there asking for sponsors, you know, for different events, that right. sort of thing, because it is a nonprofit. Um, what did... What incentive then is there for those companies if they're not, you know, they're donating large amounts, but they're not getting that tax deductible? Well, it's still deductible expense. Okay, it's just so not it a charitable contribution. Okay. Um, okay. So they can still deduct it from their expense side, and that, you know, decreases your overall er, uh, uh, income. Right. Um, so that's where it plugs in. It's okay. it, And I feel like that's really just an accounting thing. Yeah, You know, because um, yeah, yeah. you're still getting the benefits somehow. The money's still right. not being deducted. You're still not paying taxes on that because okay. you deduct it. Um, and then, of course, there's all the, the passion reasons, right? You yeah. Know, you feel good yeah. about um, doing all of that. And, and I think it is. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's tricky to call it a marketing expense. It really is. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of companies want yeah, you to. Get your logo. And yeah. You demonstate logo, and demonstrate their, cor- you know, their um, socially responsible corporate citizens. Yeah, right. That's right. really important yeah. for a lot of companies. And a lot of the bigger ones have budgets for that. And. Um, and and donating to a five hundred one c six like a chamber of commerce it still falls within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so great. They should have lots of incentives, right? <laughs> Not just about the money. Yeah, right. But yeah, so you really have to talk about your mission and vision yeah. and connect it with the corporates to kind right. of give them right to give to you as well. Um, so yeah, so this has been great. Do you have any other like okay five hundred one c three or five hundred one c whatever mm-hmm. you know information or kind of things that you can give to the audience who might be just growing their nonprofit or thinking about starting one. I don't know if I have any more legal tidbits, but just in working with them, I'd say the probably the the most awesome thing you could do, which I <laughs> don't see a lot, is treat it like a business okay. in the beginning. Um and and in terms of doing the business planning. Mm-hmm. And even if it's you know, you're not and maybe in a business plan you're doing your five year projections and you're trying to see when you're gonna turn a profit and, and make buku bucks, even if that's not the point, right? Because this right. is not a, um, a big entrepreneurial activity. This is a social mm-hmm. um, a, a venture. Mm-hmm. Um, having some type of business planning to mm-hmm. see where you go, because then that's the next thing. You form, and then it's like, okay, well, now what? We don't have any money. Right. Um, how are we going to get the money to do all the things that we want to do? Right. Um, and that's like you know, any other business, how are you going to make the money? Right. And, yeah. and I love that actually, because, yeah. um, that's another thing too, that I see it. If they just did the business planning, cause in a business plan, you need to do your market research, right? right? So it's the same thing with nonprofits. It's, um, you might have this great idea, but probably maybe five other people in your community already had that great idea and mm-hmm. they've already started a nonprofit doing exactly what you want to do. Right, so a lot of times you just don't see those nonprofits. You don't know they're there, but it doesn't mean they're not there and they're not making a difference. Right. So I always say, well, are there other people doing it? Or if somebody comes to me with an idea, and I already know there's three other nonprofits that are serving that same demographic. I'm like, partner with them. Go yeah. serve on their board. See what they're doing. Right. Now, if you're filling a different gap, yeah, go for it. Open a nonprofit. You know what I mean? If you really see there's a gap in the in the need in the community, 
um, and there's something that you can do, then go ahead and do that. But if you're just thinking this this is needed, but already you know there's yeah. things going on, then you're not going to be as competitive getting the funding because mm-hmm. those nonprofits are, may already be getting the funding, be that grants or fundraisers or from corporates, right? Yeah. And they're already you might not be able to meet the numbers. Like if you want to serve homeless people, and there's already three other homeless shelters, and they're they're not maxed out every night, you know, on beds, yeah. right? You know what I mean? There's not it's not saturated then it may be that you should just volunteer for them. You know what I mean? So it's always going back to that market research. Yeah. So I do like that um, you touch on that because, and that's that's a great thing, just kind of make sure that there is a need, and you know, mm-hmm. and then form your, your business plan because it really is a business. Right. Um, and then see how you can move forward. So that's it. That's great. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's a great tip. I mean, yeah, because you don't want to do something that's um, already, or you think that there's a need and yeah. maybe there isn't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or maybe yeah. they just need a little, someone existing just needs a little more help. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen that a lot. It's like, oh, I want to go serve. And I'm like, well, there are, did you know that so-and-so is already doing it? So-and-so is, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. You know, go yeah. check them out. If your idea is still very different and there's still a need, maybe, maybe you can move forward, but otherwise you might just want to partner with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you'd save all, all the mm-hmm. hassle of everything. All right. So, um, before, if you're looking at forming a 51C3, then um, yeah, make sure that you have your ducks in a row, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure you can kind of at least figure out what your goals are, what your budget would be, what the need is, who's going to be the founders, right? Yeah. You need to have so many people. Um, and some of these documents you can find in the online membership on grant writing and funding, so at least to get you started. Um, and once again, my disclaimer is I am not a lawyer, <laughs> so I'm talking to one. So it's also great to have that lawyer to talk to as well. And that's where you could go to Vanessa. So can you tell people where they can find you? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm uh, online, my vlwilliamslaw.com. I'm on Facebook, the Law Office of Vanessa Williams. For those locally, um, my office is here in Hagatnya, um, 671-477-1389. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Right. It's, yeah. it's something I enjoy doing. I, I really, it, I've got down. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot more fun when you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. I, I love working. I love, I, I love the field of law I'm in. I love doing business admin law and then, you know, the supplementing it with nonprofit law. I love, I do love the passion part, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and maybe because of what I do, it's a little more dry and it's like, okay, well, this is the legalese side, but I do like working with with hearing people's um, passion and and their goals and their visions and their dreams, I'm like, okay, well, let me help you so we can make this a reality. Okay. And it's it's fun for me. I really do enjoy it. Okay, and just one more question before we sign up. Okay, cost wise, is there kind of any mid range? I mean, or cost range for this type of work? Is it all over? The, just depends. You know, I to... I mean, I don't know. It's really hard to say. Um, say an average cost for almost any well in in legal work i right, mean i okay. know that it can run anywhere and like i said at one point i was doing it for free right right <laughs> you know yeah. i was doing it pro bono um and that was definitely too little so a lot of people um i know in the mainland it's a little higher i do believe mm-hmm. um generally but it's not to say you can't if you know a lawyer you could ask and some lawyers do offer pro bono yeah but i would just advise don't expect that um all the time and if you have that you're gonna have to go by their timeline and not yours necessarily if you want to get your nonprofit off the ground right away right yeah so they might say i can do a pro bono but i've got other people that are paying me so that's going to take six months right that's another thing too is i i know that um 
I've talked to so many people. That's a big thing too. I, I, I should mention is I've encountered so many people where they're like, well, we've been trying to form a nonprofit for the last year yeah. or the last six yeah. months, last year, last two years. And I'm like, we can do it in, you know, a few weeks. Yeah. I mean, we can, it can be, a very yeah, quick it, it can be very fast. You have the information. You're right. Yeah. 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 If you have the information, you know right. what you're doing, you know where to go and you know when yeah. to do it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really good. So, yeah, so consultant expert if you can. Otherwise, if you do go pro bono, that's fantastic. But it might make you wait a little bit longer than you want it to. Or, yeah. you know, just make sure your relationship is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for being with us yeah, today. Thanks and for having time. me. Yeah, you can find Vanessa on Facebook, like, uh, sorry, Facebook, Facebook, LinkedIn, online. Um, <laughs> and I'll put the show notes in um, on grantwritingandfunding.com on the episodes. You can definitely find the notes up there, and I will have some links to her services if you're looking at going to services. Very cool. So, thank you again so much. Uh, thanks, Holly. Yeah. All right. Okay. Bye. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the Tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this Grant Writing and Funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com.